Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Dear friends of the Voice of the Church, my name is Paul Aisman. I'm the pastor of the Streetlight Christian Church. It's a small church in downtown Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm bringing messages this month from the gospel according to Luke. So we'll be spending some time in this gospel for this month. Luke 4 begins with uh, Jesus Christ being confronted by Satan as Satan tries to tempt Jesus to do something evil, to do something wrong. Perhaps you know some of that story. Jesus had been in the wilderness all alone or in the desert all alone. He had been fasting for 40 days and he was very hungry. Satan said, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. In the second temptation, the devil brought Jesus to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said to Jesus, if you just bow down before me, I will give you all their glory. That way, you can become the great king without going the way of the cross, the way of suffering. Now, it is the third temptation that I'm interested in, and I'm going to read that for you. It is found in Luke 4, verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's Luke 4, verse 9 through 12. The message has a title this time, Who Tests whom? The temptation of Jesus by the devil in the wilderness identifies the defining issues in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Each of those temptations describes the things which Jesus must struggle against in order to become the Messiah. That's why the temptations take place before his public ministry begins. Jesus must prove himself worthy through private struggle against the devil, against the demons that haunted him, just like they are demons which haunt the hearts of us all. The temptations that we experience are the temptations Jesus experienced too. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are three temptations described in Luke 4, but I don't want to deal with each of them, only with the very last one. The most deceptive part of Satan's temptations is that they seem so harmless, and at the same time, they seem so desirable. What Jesus was invited by Satan to do first to turn stones to bread after fasting for 40 days, and then to become the great king without walking that difficult and painful path of suffering and death, to become king by just bowing down before Satan now. 
these seem quite reasonable. In fact, they are things that resonate with us all. They would have resonated for Jesus too. So let's look at that third temptation. Luke tells us that Satan had Jesus stand at the highest point of the temple. This temple was a, a magnificent structure. It had been built by Herod the Great, and it was an extremely expensive project that used tremendous amounts of resources. The temple that Herod built had towers that reached very, very high. They were built right on the top of cliffs so that they seemed, the towers seemed to be twice as high as they really were. The highest pinnacle in the temple from the ground to the very top was 700 feet. A lot of that distance included the cliff upon which it was built, but nevertheless, it was extremely, extremely high. There was a desire to build a tower on the temple that was as high as they could possibly reach because it was important for the way in which Israel worshipped. You see, in Israel, God wanted his people to offer two burnt offerings every day. A burnt offering is, an, is a sacrifice in which the entire animal is burnt upon the altar. One of those burnt offering sacrifices was offered with the rising sun, and the other was sacrificed with the setting sun. A priest could climb this tower and watch in the morning for the rising sun, so that he, upon seeing the evidence that the sun was in fact coming to the horizon, he could signal down to the people on the court of the temple that it was time to offer the burnt offering, and that way it would be offered at exactly the right moment. This is the tower, so important for Israel's religious service. This is the tower to which Satan brought Jesus. It was a sacred tower, closely associated with the morning burnt offering, and therefore it was considered to be a place closely watched by God. And so Satan has chosen the location very carefully. It wasn't just a high point to throw oneself down from. It was also a point closely watched by God. Satan says to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you upon their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What do you think Satan had in mind here? Well, Satan was trying to say to Jesus, if you are the son of God, then try to get God to show in some manner his parental concern for you. Every child needs to hear encouragement from their parents. When parents watch their children do something, for instance, if they watch their son or daughter playing a sport, they will cheer them on. They will encourage them to play well. Satan is playing on this kind of emotion. Jesus had already experienced the rush of pleasure of hearing his father express approval. For when Jesus was baptized, 
God the Spirit came down in the form of a dove, and God the Father announced publicly for many, many people to hear, You are my Son whom I love. I am so pleased with you. That was a beautiful moment for Jesus, to hear the encouragement, the expression of love from his Father when he was baptized. And that event had happened just before the story about Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan. Satan is saying to Jesus, get the Father to show that he loves you. It's all very good for God to say that he loves you, but wouldn't it be nice to to see his love? to feel some evidence of his love, to hear his voice calling out to you again. That's something that we can understand. We sometimes become tired of living by faith alone. Wouldn't it be nice sometimes to get something extra from God, to get some evidence that God really cares about us, that he's out there and he's watching, he's doing things for us. Sometimes people make a little test for God just to get his involvement somehow. So they don't have to live just by faith. They can actually experience something of God's power and personality. We get into situations and we don't want to make up our minds about what we have to do. And so we sometimes will will make a, a test so that God has to make the decision for us. The story is told. In the neighborhood where I pastor my congregation, the story is told in that neighborhood about a person who wanted to begin a ministry but needed a building to do it in. And so he he came to a building that was for sale and he stood at the curb by the street and he prayed, God, if the door on the left side of the building is orange, then I'll take that as a sign that you want me to buy this building and begin this ministry. Well, as it turned out, The door was just as he had prayed. It was orange. And so he began his ministry there. He purchased the building, believing that God had given his approval to it. But I say, that is just plain lazy. And he put God to the test. He didn't want to make up his own mind, and he tried to get God to make up his mind for him. What Satan wants Jesus to do is really of the same sort of pattern. Satan wants Jesus to stand on the edge of the cliff or at the top of this tower and to throw himself down and to get God, to force God to catch him before he hits the ground. And so he wants Jesus to stand there at the top of the tower and say, God, I'm going to throw myself down from this cliff, and I I want you to catch me. Send an angel, okay, God? Send an angel. Catch me. Oh, Lord God, I believe in you. Do you believe in me? To support this idea, Satan quoted a passage from Psalm 91. That helps us to understand how clever Satan really is. He often uh, uses the scriptures in order to get a person to do something that is against God's word, is very clever. Jesus warned us, actually, about that during his ministry. He said, watch out for wolves that come to you in sheep's clothing. Even though Satan quotes the Bible, doesn't mean he's a prophet or a godly teacher. Quite often he 
quoted the Bible, misrepresenting it. Psalm 91 is the passage that Satan quoted to Jesus. That is a poem about how safe we are when God takes care of us. We never need to worry. We never need to be afraid of diseases if God has taken care of us. We don't have to be afraid about the bullet that flies in the night. A thousand may fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, but those who trust in the Lord will never fail. And Psalm 91 goes on to say in verse 9, If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is your refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near you. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, the poet in Psalm 91 nowhere says that we can test God to see if he will protect us. The poem, or Psalm 91, is simply the promise that God will take care of his people. He will take care of you. And that's where Jesus has a problem with Satan's quoting of Psalm 91. Satan uses Psalm 91, but he turns it to the very opposite of what it was intended. And so Jesus replied, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's interesting. What Jesus replied here is something we read quite frequently in the Bible. God often complained to Israel about how they kept on testing him. I think of Moses who says in the book of Exodus, Why do you put Yahweh, or the Lord, to the test? Why do you test him? Don't you believe in God? If he says that he loves you, what reason do you have for doubting him? If he promises that he's going to bring you through the wilderness and take you home to the promised land, why are you questioning him about that? We need to learn to live by faith, and that means to believe in things that we do not see. Do not put God to the test. It is time for God to test you so that you and I, all God's people, might prove that they love him. God deserves to know if it's true that we love him. And he deserves to experience an expression of love from us for him. And so sometimes he will test you. There are times when you will suffer. There are times when you will feel afraid. There are times when God will seem to be very far away. When those times come, will you keep on loving him? Will you keep on serving him even if you have to sacrifice for him and suffer for him? Or will the songs of praise cease when the seasons of trouble come? God is going to test you. Maybe he's testing you right now. How could it be otherwise? For he even tested his own son. He put his son into difficult situations in order to test his resolve to see if he would remain faithful in difficult situations. I think of one of the most terrible examples of that. When Jesus had been crucified, he was hanging 
on the cross, and the people, the crowds around him, taunted him. They, they said, come on down from the cross and prove to us that you are God's chosen one. Prove to us that you are precious to, to the Father in heaven. Come down from the cross. Use your power to deliver yourself this way. But for Jesus, that was a powerful temptation because he had the power to do exactly that, to step down from the cross. But he chose to continue to hang. He chose to continue to experience that horrific suffering because that's what the Father wanted him to do. That's the cup the Father had handed to him. That's what the Father wanted him to do because that's the only way that we, you and I, could be saved. And so Jesus was tested in horrible ways and he proved to be pure gold. And so I urge you, dear listener, do, do not test God. Let him test you. And let him prove that you too, by faith in God and by his Holy Spirit, that you too can be pure gold. Thank you for listening.